0: back to open the voice gate for february 15th 2022 we are members of the voices of wrestling podcast network you can find us on the voices of wrestling feed or on our own dedicated podcast feed on all podcast platforms and applications you can follow us on twitter at open voice gate if you'd like to donate to the show click the link in the show notes it'll take you to our redcircle.com landing site you click the red box that says sponsor this podcast and you can set up a one-time a reoccurring donation no obligation whatsoever but we would like to thank all of our previous donors i am one of your hosts it's your old pal mike spears Joel alongside is always my co-host case Slow in case everything is going insane right now but things are not going insane in dragon gate which is wild because i do feel like things are heating up
1: oh what why did some earth-shattering news come across your timeline today mike did the wrestling world drastically change with the snap fingers?
0: I mean, the power has shifted again. Cody Rhodes is coming to Dragon Gate as the new Gaijin and Zebrats.
1: So here's here's what we're going to do. We're leading off the show with Cody Talk. I don't do any of the back-end stuff for this podcast. I'm pretty... I would like to think, Mike, and you can tell me if I'm wrong because it would make great audio, but I'd like to think I'm pretty easy to work with. Every once in a while, I'll make a mistake that I have you edit out, but even that, that almost never happens. All I request is that the episode title begins with cody Rhodes to dragon gate question mark because
0: okay we have
1: we have to talk about cody in the context of this promotion which is do you think cody knows what dragon gate is
0: yes because he's probably been in enough car rides with matt Seidel
1: <laughs> yeah okay well you know what i can't argue that point um, do we think cody in the same way that for so many years people have been asked to name a dirt sheet do you think cody can name a dragon gate wrestler
0: oh that is an interesting question
1: and shima does not count
0: yeah no no has to be on the roster right now
1: and ultimo does not count yeah We're yeah you not, got not legacy acts not former parties a current member of the dragon gate roster that has an active storyline
0: i have one that i okay. think is the easy one and then I have one that would be the really funny one if he knew. Uh, the one that I'm pretty certain if, if we are going to give, if you're going to pull up a a Wordle quiz, or I forgot what it was called, the, the old quiz website where like people would have you ask, name like every member of the 2011 Texas Rangers roster that I would suck my time into. I,
1: I don't know what that website is. I can't help you there.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you had a, a, a website and it's like, name member of the roster, he probably will get Dragon Kid. I feel like he 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 has to have be, have some awareness of Dragon Kid at the very least.
1: I think if you put, okay, if you put Dragon Kid, Sugi, El Desperado, and Serpentico in a lineup, Cody is going to be able to identify who Dragon Kid is. He is going to be able to point to him and say, that's Dragon Kid, and he's going to be correct. Do you think if there was a multiple choice question... And he was given four Japanese wrestlers. Let's say it's Daisuke Sakamoto. It's Yuji Nagata. It's uh, I'm forgetting all Japanese wrestlers as I make this hypothetical question. It's Daisuke Sakamoto. It's Yuji Nagata. And we'll just cut out the fourth one because I can't think of one. We'll say Kento Miyahara. Thank you. It's Sakamoto. It's Nagata. It's Miyahara. And it's Naruki Doi. Do you think Cody could answer D Naruki Doi is in Dragon Gate correctly?
0: I think Cody Rhodes is not a unintelligent person, first and foremost. No.
1: I, actually, some might say incredibly smart.
0: Yeah, yeah, self-aware to a <laughs> well, level. Well, that... I, well,
1: I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. That 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 was one of the things that used to be one of my old EE talk points. He was incredibly self-aware, but we, as we've seen over the last six months, <laughs> does not seem to be as as such. Uh, but the thing about the people that you listed there, first off, he's going to re- he's gonna immediately know that Yuji Nagata is not a member of Dragon Gate because he's been on shows with Yuji Nagata in New Japan. Yeah. So, you know, he, he's going to use that 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 education of his, you know. And Jay, he's, he he was in Georgia. That's a standardized testing state. Like, he's going to know like this. And he's like, Daisuke Sakamoto, that sounds like someone that Gabe brought across but that could be Dragon Gate, but I don't think so. So then we're going to get down to Kento Miyahara and Naruki Doi, and there it's 50-50. It's a coin flip. I don't think he knows either Kento Miyahara or Naruki Doi.
1: That just reminded me that Gabe once booked Cody and Dick Togo on the same Evolve weekend shows. That might have been the first weekend they were on Flow Slam. And if it's not, it's the second weekend, because I remember... Gabe, yeah. booked dick togo and this is when we all like dick togo this was him coming out of retirement before he had any influence in new japan and he mm-hmm. booked up against ethan page and it just sucked so much
0: <laughs> yeah because it was like dick togo was coming out he had his headband and tights on and ethan page always had a very funny evolved theme that no matter what would blow up the speakers of every arena that they would visit why did i call it an arena every bar <laughs> that gate put a show at every, and,
1: every back alley in florida yeah,
0: yeah. He, he was the first person to understand uh florida magical realism
1: <laughs> you know the
0: first one my, my comedy answer for what dragon gate wrestler so so that people don't think i forgot this he probably knows who kai is
1: does cody rhodes know who kai is is a fascinating question They had to have well, did they work an indie show together? Well, there's that.
0: But also, with as much of like Russell One stuff happening with TNA, he he would he would see the card. Like I know he came in after TNA and Russell One was dead at one point, but I feel like that great Muto still appeared for a level of impact that he was a part of with the next uh Asterisk gen title. So I feel
1: like he knows who Kai is. I don't know if Cody knows what Russell One is. I lean I lean towards Cody saying he doesn't know who Kai is I
0: would love to give a I don't even think that it's like that deep of a wrestling quiz but just like a international wrestling quiz to Cody Rhodes like I I I don't think he could name a member of the Brazo family
1: no in my mind and I love Cody am I disappointed at the news horribly horribly disappointed but I love Cody In my mind, he only watches like 1984 Mid-Atlantic and is blown away when he's like, he's still impressed when he sees a 630 splash. Like he just doesn't, to me, he doesn't watch any wrestling that is in HD, we'll say. If it's wrestling in HD, Cody's not interested in it. He's only watching grainy VHS-like footage.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, he definitely has some some, uh, opinions on who throws the best punch. You yes. Know.
1: That's very important to Cody still.
0: Yeah, yeah. But uh Cody Rhodes to Dragon Gate. Probably not, but I really hope he joins Z and ends up doing Trios matches on match three of Korkin with him, Hio and Diamante versus Ultimo, Gamma, and Satyoko Boy.
1: Who would you if you had so let's say Kobe World is coming up and the Dragon Gate president, President Keto, gets a call from the Rhodes family. President Keto I've been watching your product. Your youth is amazing. Your storytelling is phenomenal. I, the son of the American dream, I want a match at Kobe World Pro Wrestling Festival 2022 in front of a non-COVID restricted crowd in Japan. Who are you booking Cody against? Either the funniest match possible, or who do you think he would have a great match with on the roster?
0: Who do I think he would have the best match on the roster with? Yes. I think it would be Ata
1: oh it, it okay interesting not the direction i would go i yeah i, I don't know if i believe that
0: because he, the, the turn of cody and codyism is that it is f- deeply rooted in territory walk-in brawls where you need to be able to have <laughs> enough plunder and spectacle and Ata is as versed as anyone in the roster on that <laughs> so
1: <laughs> i'm just imagining now it's match three on kobe world no and disqualification Code, and, and cody and age are doing barbed wire board spots to a confused kobe world crowd <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I, except for me
0: somehow because in this scenario i will be at kobe world cannon <laughs> hall and i will be the one person of uh, a homemade uh cody zebrat's towel for this
1: because they like oh i turned the corner the, the i've turned the corner on cody at all in because i was in the crowd And I watched him have this match with Magnus where in that moment, Cody Rhodes was the coolest guy I'd ever seen. He came out with the Rhodes family and their tracksuits, and he won the NWA title and it was the greatest thing. And then I think it's the Wrestle Kingdom right after that. I think it was his last New Japan show was when he had that Ibushi match, which was really early on the Tokyo Dome card. Oh, yeah. And it, they it, went out there and killed each other. And I'm not just imagining that, but the hardcore plunder version with Ata. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Handsome battle and Kobe. That's exactly what's going to happen. I remember that. Russell quite fondly because I did a tweet. It's like, well, right now, Cody Rhodes has my uh, match of the year. I did not see. Let's see how long this lasts. And it lasts like 45 minutes. But it was oh, a great match. Oh my God. So, yeah. So, so, so the match that if he's game for it, I think would be the, like, the most amusing. would be the match where like, this is not the one that's really fu- that we put up there for lands and Krij. This is a match that if you know, you know,
1: it's, it's 2022 dragon. You don't have to worry about that, but go ahead.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He has to go against Don Fuji. They need <laughs> to do that like this. It has to be like him and, ah, uh, let, let's try I'm just trying to think of someone. Well, he might bring in Mike Tyson. You know what I mean? There was all that stuff going on. Him and Mike Tyson versus Don Fuji and Sakura Chikawa.
1: I'm now. I I would love nothing more than to see Mike Tyson and Don Fuji trade sharp right hands. Because I think I think Fuji has a strong chin. I think he could take a few shots.
0: See, it's not a bad idea. And it fits no, the thing. You're right.
1: Booking Mike Tyson versus Don Fuji and Stalker Chikawa is not a bad idea. I will give you that.
0: And you can have the crazy Cody entrance in Kobe World, Kenan Hall. You know what I mean? Like a, it, it, It's one of those things. Mickey Gooch Jr. can appear out of nowhere you know, I mean, maybe that's why I'm doing this because I want Mickey Gooch Jr. to have to like to, to, to be in the same locker room as Super Shisa and just everyone going like what the hell is going on with this, you know I, 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 I'm an agent of chaos
1: <laughs> I, I believe in Codyism with chaotic characteristics I think Cody versus KZ would be a legitimately great match, I would really like to see that
0: no, no, uh, th- th- that would rock, that would rock, uh, I had one more uh, thing, yeah, no, I got Cody when I saw him live at Double or Nothing 2019 breaking the throne, I was like, oh For once, i get you for this one moment so i was
1: i mean when he came into evolve i was actively rooting against him could not stand him didn't get it didn't want him on the indies go to impact where i wasn't watching and just go away i never really liked him at roh even though he was pushed and was great for business i never really got him there but once i saw him at all in I said, "Holy shit! I get it now." And I don't, I don't necessarily like it all the time, but boy, do I get it. And when it hits with me, it hits. And uh, he would certainly hit if he was seconding Kai to the ring as a member of zebrats.
0: I mean, just imagining like everyone coming out, and you have Cody and like his—he he, he will get yellow gear. Well, like, like, say what will about Cody? He he will play along with this. Cody and uh, SB Kento and Hio running as seconds just a great mental image i think that's i think that's amazing why wouldn't what's we his, want that
1: what's his dragon gate equivalent of smashing the throne i'm assuming it's got to be a shot at either magnum or shima does he just burn a grease flag on on the entrance ramp no what is, no because <laughs> cody's
0: because Cody's going to be a, the future Congressperson from Hialeah, Florida, so he can't get himself an international <laughs> incident. Case I'm, just gonna, I, I'm not his. I'm not his future campaign manager, but just cutting you off of the past there.
1: <laughs> okay, well, I got We got to think of it. If you can think of an artifact for Shima, or for Cody to destroy, to send a shot at Owe or Magnum Tokyo at Open Voice, get on Twitter, please let us know.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's got. We're going to need some pomp there. Ew, we're gonna need that to happen especially i mean we're what five months away from kobe world yeah 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 oh it's an early no it's not kobe world they don't have they haven't announced the kobe world date yet case it's actually kind yes, of I, like... I was
1: thinking about that last week because i don't know if they're doing one date or two this year i'm assuming they're doing one but I do you know how good Cody versus Ultimo in a mask versus hair match would be? That would be every Yeah. Like the way people pretend Negro Navarro or Black Terry matches are good, Cody versus Ultimo would be the actually good version of that.
0: Oh god, because Cody cuz that that speaks to Cody's sensibilities though. Cody
1: would he, bleed so much for Ultimo.
0: He would bleed so much. He make sure his hair is bleached right beforehand so you get like the 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 red all over it uh he cody would love to do some mass tearing you know like the, but like yeah yeah and and cody could like go do a cheap dq to like lose an early fall you know i mean yeah yeah no i i feel like that at the in all like honesty, that probably is the best use of cody's if he comes in and does a hair match to be quite honest but yeah no Is, is cody a maestro
1: I think that's his next step. Not enough people okay. are talking about the AEW to IWRG pipeline that Cody Rhodes could be starting.
0: Hey, uh, I, I, I think that IWRG doesn't want anyone to pay attention to it from the English speaking world right now. So. Oh, oh, oh,
1: why? Are they doing some questionable behavior?
0: Oh, they're booking someone's questionable <laughs> yes, behavior. Yes.
1: It's IWRG. I'm not, I don't have the energy to get mad at them as a promotion, but it's not good
0: no it's not good it's not good uh should we actually talk about real dragon gate now
1: (laughs) that's up to you i could do another half hour on cody and dragon gate but if you want to talk about Kines, go ahead i mean uh cody versus Kines.
0: cody versus darkness dragon i feel like because he could do like the little bit of the spooky stuff he loves you know i mean there probably was some wheels there
1: yeah, there's a lot of lore in that match, but uh, that's I, I I'm I'm now fixated on Cody versus Ultimo. I need to see if like, Vinny Massaro can make that match happen. Yeah,
0: no, I mean, geez, imagine how many seats that would sell at PWR. Like, you're talking about like probably two thousand, three thousand <laughs> seats.
1: <laughs> yeah that hey it would be a good house for PWR but let's talk about Kness all right
0: so as everyone knows Kness will be retiring on April 7th we aren't going to do like a full mini series the same way that we did Speed Star for Masato Yoshino but the schedule is very weird this year in Dragon Gate it's not necessarily like back in the normal swing of things where there might be two shows a week the first two show weeks, actually, this weekend. But from time to time, up until Kness's retirement on some of the lighter weeks, we're going to dip into his uh, his history, and we're going to pull out some matches to talk about. There's a lot, and that was the kind of thing, like, when we agreed to do this that got me cases. Kness is more of a central figure to the Dragon system. That I think if you're someone who's come along, at least even in the Jimmy's era, you might not get how big of a deal Kness's retirement is.
1: Yeah, someone who, throughout all of his injuries and his time off, is still strangely involved in, especially Torimon, but even as we get into Drangate, some of the most important moments in company history.
0: Yeah, so we, we picked two matches this week. Both of them are on the network. We're going to try to kind of stick it that way. Like The, the good thing is now, the at least the Torimon section of the network is to a point that, I mean his most famous match just got put on there this month. So a lot of Kness's highlights and like the peak Kness is already on the network, but there's, but we'll be pulling out some stuff there. Cause like, yeah, I mean, really the story of Kness is someone that when he was around and he was around a whole lot, basically up until his shoulder started giving him issues. He was one of the focal points in a linchpin on a very young roster. As we experienced watching back through the Japanese landing last month.
1: Yeah, so let's start with your match because it'll be chronological, but you picked what is one of the more infamous and certainly one of the most important matches in the short history of Torimon.
0: Yeah, so this is from August 14th, 2001. It is on the Dragon Gate Live Network site. It is, I'm trying to think what exact episode it is. It is listed under the heading of july august 2001 because that's how they did the Vominos amigos show was sometimes it was like monthly digest but sometimes there's a lot of stuff going on they'd make sure they would but this is from cork and hall august 14 2001 this is for the uwa trios titles the champion team of crazy max of shima uh don fuji Sua. just gonna call them by their 2022 names makes our lives a whole lot easier defend the title in the first ever three-way match in dragon system history against the challenger teams of Gun, Magnum Tokyo, Dragon Kid, and Ryo Saito, versus the M2K pairing of Masaki Mochizuki, Yazushi Kanda, and Darkness Dragon.
1: Yes, yeah, so if for some reason the Dragon Gate Network confuses you, which is very fair, if you go to the homepage, you just scroll down until you see tournaments and series, Click on Torimon, Japan, and then go to the bottom of the second page, and you will see a clip from this match in the thumbnail of the video, July and August of 2001 TV. This is the first ever three-way trios match that Toru did. I, you would know better than me, because it might have happened in Lucha at some point, but is this the first style of match that you ever saw? I guess the earliest record that we have of a style of match like this. I
0: mean, I... There were the TLC matches, but they weren't the style matches that came before this.
1: Yeah, and even that is just two on two on two with, you know, Lita, Spike, and Rhino as seconds at times. But in terms of a trio, a three-way trios match, I do not know of a company that had done this before. I would be curious to see if anybody has that info or not, if they can find one before August of 2001.
0: Yeah, yeah. I know this was not their first one that they had, but the other ones they had in the lead-up were not televised. And this is in a very interesting point in the history of Torimon Japan. Really, at this point, we're now two years past the point that we talked about a few weeks ago. We already have a crystallized crazy max m2k has now been on the scene and pretty much ran ref shot in 2000 and then we have seki gun kind of coming together really it was a lot of magnum and dragon kid and then you would add in uh Arai, orai you would add in someone like ginky horiguchi you would add in some of these people from the first landings and then you'd add in ryo Saito, who really had an interesting kind of 2001 i would say at least like he he was later than the original landing but he was there soon enough after that he is considered torymon japan but he was most known when he was a rookie as being the bicycle enthusiast who in 2000 and 2001 got into a blood feud with don fuji over possession of Rio saito's bicycle
1: yeah he is the bridge between Mon japan and the torymon 2000 project like you said the Bicycle Brothers, something that I think Saito is still known for. Every once in a while, Drangate will go back to that story. Uh, you know, at this point, it's 20 years of on again, off again, feuding and teaming between the Bicycle Brothers. I know they were, I think they were in the last Summer Adventure Tag League together. Uh, so that is a lot of Saito's year. And you see him in this match, and he's, you know, the lowest ranked of the nine wrestlers. It's very clear that he's not on the level of those main event guys, but he's still a very competent and very skilled pro wrestler and he has this amazing story throughout most of this year and then november of 2001 rolls around and he meets a man by the name of milano collection at and things do not go very well for him
0: yeah and you know like that's part of the thing about him being the bridge and it's kind of similar in a lot of ways to someone will be talking about a little later and naoki tanazaki because naoki tanazaki was the bridge between tu2p and Torimon x
1: yes yeah that's that's a very that's a very good point uh so, yeah, so this is a really big match. Mike, did you rewatch this for this podcast or are you going off memory here?
0: I rewatched this for the podcast. I, All right. I, 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 I as mean, did I. General. I had not
1: seen this match in many years.
0: Yeah. And we're very lucky that for this kind of show, that they actually had this match pretty much in full. Uh, this is, if you're looking for something else that's on the show, if you're wondering why M2K, why are they subbing in Darkness Dragon versus. Uh, having in susumu mochizuki's uh susumu defended the nwa world welterweight title in the match before this against ricky marvin on this corkin show
1: a match that i would recommend if you have not seen
0: yeah yeah one of those really good ones and this is just one of those matches that at least for me with this like you uh, like the big takeaway for me on this is this very much up until like the last like three or four minutes is a dragon kid match so the falls were uh magnum tokyo uh i'm sorry darkness dragon Penshima. very early when he gets uh he gets caught with uh the darkness buster i think it was like after all this stuff i can't read my notes because it was a lot of kines and mochi's teamwork that led up to it and then the that was at 14 17 and then magnum tokyo defeated Yazushi. Kanda after pretty much Sekigun just murdered Kanda for like two minutes, but he finished him off finally with the AV star press.
1: Yeah. So in the same way that if you look at a match like eight thirty oh three, where you have those four units in there, and that's a much more famous match and you have Shima, you have Mochizuki, you have Magnum and you have Milano as the leaders of their four respective units. And those four, steal the show in that match that is a match built off of aces and those aces came to play this is a match where you have shima mochizuki and magnum as your clear leaders but re-watching this i was so taken aback by the number twos of their units of Sua, of dragon kid and of darkness dragon i thought those three were the three best in this match and while we'll talk about darkness dragon in just a second it it should be noted you and I were both very critical of Dragon Kid two weeks ago, talking about how rough around the edges he was in 1999, and although he was being pushed as the face of Toriumon very early, he was not ready for that role. By 2001, he has that crispness that we would come to expect from a big Dragon Kid match.
0: Yeah, like if we were going to like put this on a timeline, not dissimilar to how Diamante really progressed over two years. I, I think that's not an unfair comparison to make their case.
1: No, that, that timeline certainly matches up. That's something I hadn't really thought about. But yeah, it took them it took them a while to get going because we see Diamante in August of 2019. And I would say once we come back from that prolonged COVID hiatus, once we start resuming shows with fans in July of 2020, that's when you really start to see Diamante take steps forward, not too dissimilar from dragon kid who gets hurt in april of 1999 and then by the time he comes back in the new year he's a a much better wrestler still rough around the edges but by august of 2000 he has that great match with sua so yeah that timeline i i I don't know if there's a a science behind it if there's a way that wrestlers operate to where that is just the amount of ring time they need but that timeline actually matches up incredibly well
0: yeah and you brought up like Sua so, uh, and Dragon Kid, that's a big storyline, at least between the Saki Gun and Crazy Max side, because this is almost a year to the date of their mask versus hair match that in 2000, which was, as you mentioned, Dragon Kid's big coming out party in a way. But it, it's interesting how, like, in this first match, like, if anything, this is like the prototype. You start off with the big aces, then it's the number twos, then it's the threes, which really lets Don Fuji just beat up on some scrubs, really. Because Conda, like, the other person that took me back, it's like, Konda really out of everyone out of m2k feels very different now than he did in 2001 but you know don Fuji was having his way for everyone in this match
1: yeah if you watched the february corkin show and you're a newer drangie fan and you didn't totally get the m2k thing it's a little bit like i saw i saw bad religion live last year and they were phenomenal because they're bad religion but there are still dudes in their 60s. They don't have the gripping impact that they would have 20 or 25 years ago. If you watched M2K in February of 2022, that Cork and Hall match they had, and you went, oh, this is fun. You know, Kanda's got his crazy hair, and Mochizuki and Susumu are doing their thing. And then you flash back 20 years prior to this match, you realize, oh, these guys were stone-cold killers. There's a reason that all of 2001... Is crazy Max versus M2K that's the feud that carries this promotion for the entire year? M2K is so integral to crazy Max becoming what this promotion was known for for so long, they were the perfect foil for them because they were so rough around the edges. Whereas, you know, what where, whereas Mochizuki is their leader and he's a vicious, hard kicking guy, Shima's the crazy Max leader, and he's he's a pretty boy, he does his flips and whatnot, even with the muscle of suwa Taru, and Fuji behind him m2k was that necessary contrast to toughen up crazy max a lot of the time and you see their interactions here are you know no, no disrespect to the second gun team but to me this is an m2k versus crazy max match that just so happens to have magnum Dragon and ryo saito in it at times
0: but i mean there were like points in this like where when dragon kid went wild in this like it was just like oh you could fast forward this twenty one years and it's like the and it's like, oh, Dragon Kids revving up. And it was something that like you really see like the progress, at least from like two weeks ago, watching Japanese landing versus the first ever of these matches. And a match that Psychic Gun did not win the UWA trios mat title before this. The titles were dominated mainly by Crazy Max, but it was kind of a little bit of a back and forth with the M2K when Torimon brought them in so like this was like the the big moments for the for the unit really was coming that way and it felt very much so that like it it, it was something that like dragon kid did the heavy wart lifting as is has to be the case with a lot of Magnum tokyo matches <laughs> but then magnum came in and just like found ways to murder poor conda
1: Yeah, if you, you know, towards the finish, it's not a very big Magnum match, but all of a sudden the pinfall needs to be made, and Magnum Tokyo is right there in front of the camera, ready to make that pinfall. But without Dragon Kid, who again was excellent in this match, Dragon Kid was outstanding, Uh, you know, Saito pulls his way to a degree, Magnum like we talked about, the best run of his career was the first uh the first tour of Tori Japan, the last week of january into the first week of february 99 that's Magnum Tokyo's peak i don't need to retread that i didn't think he was any good in this match but Saito and Dragon Kid certainly did what they could for the Seki gun side
0: and hey it, it, it's something like if you thought we we're being a little bit hyperbolic compare the reactions to uh the landing to now even like in front of the crowd magnum tokyo feels like less, less of a star than he did almost, than he did 2 years before
1: yeah, no, it, it's very much. I mean, the crowd, it's, it's a fun crowd to watch because I don't know if it's just the way the lighting was in Corkin. I don't know if it's just because we have such high quality footage on the Dragon Gate Network, but I felt like I was able to make out a lot of faces in the front few rows of Corkin Hall in this show and the things that they were really responding to was Shima, Mochizuki, and then a lot of the Darkness Dragon versus Dragon Kid stuff, which is a feud that would obviously progress. We'll talk about their mask versus mask match at some point on one of these shows before Kness retires, but that's the stuff that it seemed like the crowd was really gravitating towards, and Magnum was there. I, I, I will say... This did make me want to revisit some of Sua's greatest hits, because I really thought Sua was unbelievably good in this oh, match. Oh,
0: jeez. His John Woo that he oh,
1: does? Just start the match, it's... uh, I, He he hits Darkness Dragon with a John Woo on the apron, and it is phenomenal. It is such a great way to kickstart things.
0: Yeah, and this is something that it's worth talking about, like, this match in a context, because, as you mentioned, it really became crazy max versus m2 king crazy max as the baby is just in concert of that so you needed to have seki gun in there so you would be able to at least have crazy max act like tweeners but sua is someone that like uh, every time i watch like classic sua matches i'm it, it's something that like it's clear that when dragon gate happened sua was not going to stick around you know, like it was very, very clear <laughs> that like and, and things said after the fact and who shows up where it just that was not going to last for a long time. But really, like 99 through 2004 and really 2000 through like I know Sua got injured during that time as well. It was a lot of fun. Like Sue is just like a different kind of character that, you know, you, there's really no equivalent to him on the modern roster.
1: No, I was trying to think about that. If Sua, if Sua came along now, if he is born twenty years later, if he's the age of you know SB Kento or a Kakuta or whoever, I he probably has even more success in modern day Dragon Gate than he did in Mon. This is a guy who was a UDG champion by the end of his run and was obviously incredibly successful in Crazy Max. But you think about him now on a roster with Shun Skywalker and with Big R Shimizu and with a guy like Coach Minora, who works really well against bigger guys. I mean, he's probably and I I don't mean this as a slight to him because, you know, I'm, I'm critical of him. But for the most part, I enjoy his work. He's probably just a better version of Kai. That's the 2022 equivalent.
0: I guess, I guess, because he is a little bit bigger. Like he's not noticeably bigger, but it's something that like you have him against Dragon Kid, and you're like, oh, now Sua looks really big. But you have him like, up against someone like Don Fuji looks like a monster in comparison to everyone else in this match. Like, just it's it's something that I wonder with like Sua with obviously the stuff he was not very interested in. They made kind of public afterwards the whole social dance wrestling thing. I wonder if he ends up in Dragon Gate. I don't know if he does
1: he is yeah well what's what would be his best landing spot because i don't think he would fit it in modern day noah i don't wish modern day all japan on my worst anime but i don't i don't know if he's a new japan guy i, I do think this would be his best spot because outside of the natural vibes entrance which doesn't bother me and yeah. undercard comedy matches this promotion's far less goofy now than it was in 2003 yeah,
0: I, I just I just get like a feeling that I could see him doing like that Big Japan zero one one kind of stuff. I That's just get, true. He, he gives off that kind of vibe, and it's not like a sleazy vibe, but I could see him in there with like Yuji Okabayashi and Daisuke Sakamoto and Strong BJ. You know, that that makes sense to me in a way that, because I, I do agree with you, Noah, DDT, All Japan. DDT may be entering the dojo now with who's in who's running the dojo now, I could see. But I don't know. Big Japan just makes a lot of sense to me.
1: While we're doing a brief pit stop on DDT, I have not had a chance to see uh, the most recent Shuji Kondo match that has made tape, which was he and Harada against Junakiyama and Tetsuya Endo. I will be watching that. But if you have Wrestle Universe, the January 30th uh, Cork and Hall DDT show of Takashita and uh, yu Ono against Harada and Shuji Kondo, I cannot recommend enough. I went four and a quarter stars on it.
0: It's something where, like, I just need someone just to give me a comp tape of Kondo there. and I'll watch
1: it. I it. I do have a
0: Wrestle Universe account because I watch because I'll watch uh, I'll watch Tokyo Joshi. I just don't ever have the urge to go click on the DDT side or the Noah side, to be quite honest.
1: I love cherry picking through DDT stuff. Noah, I'm you know I'm at a real love hate with, but when I love Noah, it's great. But uh, Shuji Kondo and DDT has been very good so far, so I would recommend that if you have not checked it out.
0: So, before we move on to your match case, the post-match is worth talking about because it just turns out to outright mayhem. Uh, basically, everyone gets unmasked. Dragon Kid and Darkness Dragon go at it. Dar- Darkness Dragon unmasks him. Then we have someone come in and unmask him who is wearing a Darkness Dragon mask and a pair of Adidas track pants. It's Shima, and they immediately, like, it just turns into, like, an insane brawl that, like a lot of Tory Ma when he was around, Ultimo has to come in in his resplendent, 2000 project t-shirt and say simmer down kids
1: it's a tremendous post-match angle it's it's a great match I feel like perhaps I slighted it by taking shots at the second gun side but it's a match that I would go four and a quarter on I think it holds up they would obviously improve on this in the summer of 2002 with the match at world and then the match the next week those I think are a little bit better and then by 2003 you have that infamous four-way trios match but for this being the first style of match like this to make tape in this promotion They hit the ground running. It's a great match. It's a really great Darkness Dragon performance. Again, if you're looking to familiarize yourself with more Kness, Darkness Dragon, Makoto type stuff, this is one of the matches that is absolutely essential viewing because you see in a match with so many guys and so many stars with Shima and Dragon Kid and Mochizuki and Magnum, you see Darkness Dragon stand out from the crowd. He's able to do stuff that makes him memorable. And it is a very, very fun match.
0: Yeah, I'd go four and a quarter. And again, a lot of that is based off of the seconds work. Suwa and Darkness Dragon and Dragon Kid and this were really, really fun to watch. But Case, you picked, you jumped ahead to basically the last era of Kanes. And you picked like the right, the match that started the last era of Kanes. So how about you intro this?
1: Yeah, I didn't do this intentionally, but you know, there are, They're memorializing two Kness units on his road to retirement. They did M2K in February. They're doing the Jimmies in March. And while this is not a match where Kness wrestles for the Jimmies, it is the match that makes him a member of the Jimmies. The unit disbands match from August 16th, 2015. This is Dangerous Gate. It is on the Dragon Gate Network. This match is mostly in full. They cut out. You know, maybe the first five or so minutes, but it's a 30 minute match, and we get most of it on the network. So if you haven't seen it, pretend I didn't say that. You'll think the match is in full. It is Naruki Doi, Yamato, Cyber Kong, Kness, and Problem Dragon versus Genki Horiguchi, Jimmy Susumu, Ryo Jimmy Saito, Jimmy Konda, and Mr. QQ, Naoki Tanazaki, and Mike. Hey.
0: That's not his full name. I'll say his I'll, I'll say his full name from memory once and we'll just call him Naoki Tanzaki for the rest of this. Mr. QQ Tenzaki Naoki Toyonaka Dolphin.
1: I think a lot about like I'm very happy with this podcast. I'm very happy with a lot of the content we do. I think back to around this time last year, we were talking about a Grand Hamada match, and I said Silver King and his partner El Texano. And you very, very nicely slid under the radar. Oh, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's El Tejano. Uh, and for some reason that killed my confidence. And if I'm not locked in 100% on somebody's name, I will omit that name as much as I can.
0: I mean, uh, I, I just wanted to say the full name once because how insane it was. I didn't mean to correct you that time, but... No, no, I knew no, a-
1: no, well, well done. I, I... I disrespected the name of Naoki Tanazaki, et cetera, et cetera, and I did not mean to do that, as he is a wrestler that I miss. I miss greatly. He's, you know, over in Dove Pro now. Did you see? I tweeted out on the Open Voice Get account today, uh, the Dove Pro six man that he is wrestling in in a few days.
0: No, I didn't because my mind was consumed by w, w- Codyism of chaotic characteristics. <laughs> was,
1: was there a bigger story in wrestling than a Dove Pro card announcement today? My bad, Mike. Um. <laughs> okay,
0: uh, l- l- let me see this the- this right here. Okay, okay. We got Brother Yashi, Tetsuya, Goto, and Oji Shiba, who is, is striking a face in his photo, uh, versus Naoki Tanizaki, and Masaoka, and Kohi, uh Kinoshida. That is into the pit too
1: if somebody can if somebody can get us dove pro footage this show (laughs) airs on february it takes place on february 22nd i imagine most dove pro shows are kind of an eyes wide shut deal where you're allowed to attend but you're not allowed to talk about it afterwards but if this (laughs) makes tape somebody please send it to me i would really like to see that match
0: yeah that's fascinating did they just okay for a second, I thought they just lifted OG's photo of the Dragon Gate G- Keora site from a long <laughs> time ago. I still think that that is his old, his old PR photo. And what I have not seen Naoki Tanazaki recently, but is he rocking a pompadour now? Or is that just how his long hair is puffed up a little bit?
1: I, I, it's, I, I haven't seen a very recent picture of him, but yeah, he, he's always had eccentric hair, but it's re- he's really going for something right now
0: bless his heart
1: yeah that's a good looking match so mike let's let's flash back again to august of 2015 (laughs) jimmy's versus matt Blanky. i have a ton of transcriptions from the old iheartdg website that i will read in just a second to kind of contextualize this match because it's newer i looked unfortunately even with the internet way back machine and going to jay's old torimon usa tripod website I could not get the archives for July and August of 2001, so I wasn't able to fill in the gaps with the stories there, and I didn't have time today to really dig into those results and and kind of contextualize that three-way trios match more. But all you need to know is it was the first time that match had aired in that style on Torium on TV. For this match, we have a lot of context I'd like to go over because I think it adds to this match. But when you think of August of 2015, what comes to mind?
0: Well, this is kind of... The big show that changes everything. Yes. Like, but I, I don't think that we are going to completely ju- just scare people by saying this. Uh, Matt Blankey loses this match. This is the second time ever that a heel unit has lost a disbands match. So everything is kind of adrift after they leave the ring. And then in the main event, uh, Shingo Takagi defeats Masato Yoshino, immediately tries to expel... Sachi Hoko boy from Monster Express and said the rest of Monster Express said no we're not we're not kicking him out here he's like well then I'm done uh Tazawa you're coming with me so was like no I I like my friends I don't want to leave them there and and then like he looks over and T Hawk who's been a drift he's like all right T Hawk we're teaming here so this was like a big reset this show but like this time period I mean summer of 2015 my God, you have We Are Team Veteran disbands, you have Millennials disbands, you have the zombie veterans, you have the special emergency toy darts. Everything was happening over like a four-month period this year.
1: Yes, that's exactly it. So I'm going to read some promos here that illuminate all of what you just said. It's nice that we're talking about this match because you think about what we've talked about so often with the heel lineage and the way these units worked out. It's really, you know, this is the end of Matt Blanky, and then R.E.D., Antios, Berserk, I look at it as all one giant package, even though the leaders and the members change so often throughout those years, and now I look at Zebrats as a new entity as well. So, this is really spanning the modern history of Dragon Gate. This is a very important match to understand where we are now in 2022. Uh, would you agree that's a fair assessment?
0: Yeah, just because in 15 minutes, things reset. And by the end of the show, and really, I would say, up there like of Destiny, it's all the reshuffle about what's going to be the new heel army the and it, all that stuff there. But then you have a through line from this date in 2015 all the way to the present with nearly everyone involved in this match.
1: So let's go to December 3rd, 2014, something Mike just referenced doi darts time in cork and hall and naruki doi does his annual doi darts they set up that match and then in an unprecedented move doi brings out a second doi darts wheel and he says and this is a, a quote from iheartdg in the wayback machine uh that doi explained that mad blanke has had some bad luck lately hulk left it to create dia hearts himself and kz were out with serious injuries and that was also bb hulk's fault Last month, Team Veteran was forced to disband. The blame for that falls squarely on the shoulders of BB Hulk, so you sense a reoccurring theme here. So to help bolster the ranks, whoever was hit on this board would join Mad Blankin. It was all of the unaffiliated members. It was your lower roster guys, like your Stockridge Ichikawas and your Yuga Hayashis at the time, and then it was the Team Veterans unit that had disbanded in November of 2014. So Shima, Mochizuki, Fuji, Dragon Kid, although he was in Die Hearts at that time maybe, uh Gamma and Kness. And what happens here in the second Doi darts, if we were going to make a a greatest moments in drangate history compilation DVD, it's going to be Mochizuki versus Shingo, Blood Generation versus Do Fixer from World 2005, Unit Disbands 2020. And I don't know if I could get any further on this list without mentioning Osaka 06 and Kness and Don Fuji being a hit on this mad blanky wheel.
0: So the thing about the wheel is that yes it is a circle but unlike the other versions of Doi Darts everyone's slice of the pie is a lot different like soccer Chikawa might as well have had a line long enough in Kanji or hiragana to write stock, Hollywood soccer Chikawa on it and then other people on it they like a reasonable one but the biggest piece, by far, like, take up, like, a third of the board was Asaka Zenroke. And it was something that, the look on Naruki Doi's face when Shima and Gamma were drafted as one, because there's three darts here. They drafted them as one. It, it might have been the happiest day in Naruki Doi's life.
1: I, I rewatched this in December because I was going through some old doi darts. Doi dart stuff, just because I was sad they weren't doing it this year. The ovation in Cork and Hall, when Shima and Gamma are hit on this board is one of the all-time great reactions. It is unbridled joy from all 1,800 people in that room. They are all on the same page, and they are all in love with the fact that Osaka 06 ends up on this board, but they are not the only ones. Don Fuji is hit, and Kinesis hit, and it leads to the first five months, and I, I forgot that they were in Mad Blanky for as long as they were, but five months of the veterans' Uh, The veteran zombies being in Mad Blanky at Dead or Alive 2015. They are all exiled, although Kness very quickly rejoins the ranks. He has that match. Do you remember the Akira Tozawa versus Kness Bravegate match from 2015? Of course I do.
0: Of course I do. It, It might be Kness's last great singles match.
1: That you know what that's an interesting that that probably is. I remember that match being good and I still I wanted it to be better. I would probably enjoy it more now with lower expectations. I need to go back and rewatch that. That's a great point though. That's probably the last great Knash singles match. I can't think of another one.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the real fun thing about the Zombie Veterans were that uh most of them just like just kind of like adapted to it. Like Knash just started wearing yellow. Uh Gamma and Shema they put on a little bit of face paint but they basically wore the black and yellow but Don Fuji came out looking like Punch Tomonaga's uncle and it was amazing because at this time Punch Tomonaga basically wore a uh, I, I tried to either proper phrase for this a Hawaiian style t-shirt or Hawaiian style button down shirt that was black and yellow fla- uh, flowers all over it and basically Don Fuji wore the exact same thing including the sunglasses and the eye black it was amazing
1: Yeah, it was really good stuff. So now we go to July 2nd, 2015, subsequently the first Dragon Gate show I ever reviewed for VoicesWrestling.com. The main event of that show, this was Generation Gate 2015. It was three of the big six, Tozawa, Shingo, and BB Hulk versus the new generation of Eita, T-Hawk, and Big R Shimizu. And after the match, they're hyping up Kobe World 2015. T-Hawk's about to take on Masato Yoshino. And T-Hawk makes the mistake of saying Naruki Doi's name. And out comes Doi, and here's where I will read from iHeartDG, because I thought some of Doi's promos here were just outstanding. Doi says he was here to make T-Hawk regret casually bringing up his name. As for World, he wondered if T-Hawk could even handle being in the main event. It was the biggest show of the year. There would be 10,000 fans there. He didn't think T-Hawk would even make it to the ring. He would look out of the curtain, and his legs would quiver, and his knees would buckle. But that was a story for another day. The real reason he was out here was to talk about the August Corkin. It's called Scandalgate, and he knew just the salacious thing that should happen there the end of the Millennials. He challenged him to a match. Everybody knows that the only three Millennials worth anything are T Hawk, Eta, and Flamita, and Flamita is in Mexico. So, who from the army of little kids would they pick as their partner? T Hawk was dumbfounded at the suddenness of this challenge. Doi said that while he fucking hates Tokyo, he fucking loves Scandalgate. So he couldn't wait for this. T-Hawk pointed to Mondai Ryu and Punch Tamanaga, noting that Doi and Yamato didn't exactly have the strongest partners either. Eventually, he agreed, but only if the existence of Matt Blanky was also at stake. Doi flatly refused, but T-Hawk accused him of being afraid and got the crowd to chant it at him. Doi dismissed, Doi dismissed them all as a bunch of kindergartners, but did eventually relent and accept. The match was about to be made official when Yamato interrupted, and here's where the Jimmy's come into play. Because Yamato said, if Matt Blankey was suddenly at risk of being forced to disband, shouldn't the unit that has lived long past its expiration date also be brought in? He called out the Jimmys. Yamato said the only people who cared about the Jimmys were packs of unmarried 30-year-old women. He got so carried away with his burial of the Jimmys that he said that himself and the other millennials would... Before catching himself and realizing that was an error, Horiguchi was quick to capitalize, saying that he couldn't be a millennial because he was over the age of 30 years old. All of this talk about disbanding units, yeah, the Jimmys were nearly four years old. They were the longest-tenured unit in Drangate. Maybe Gate. Maybe they were only cheered on by unmarried 30-year-old women, but they don't back down from a challenge, and they accept it. Due to the serious nature of the stipulation, there will be special rules for this match all members of a team have to be pinned or submitted for that team to lose, and the first team to have all members eliminated would have their unit disband. What a phenomenal angle this was.
0: Yeah, and Toy. Is someone like Nurugi Doi's heels work? Like, I would rush to get the translations <laughs> immediately afterwards just because, like, yeah, I could tell it's like this guy is just on another planet. And how much he hates Tokyo became an on thing where he would, where every time when they're about to do his Nara homecoming show, he would not sign autographs as being a heel member for so long. He's just like, guess what, Tokyo? You suck so much that you can't get autographs. You know who gets autographs? The greatest town in all of Japan, Nara. And I will sign autographs. Everybody, you know, last time people were sitting out the door waiting in line to get their Narukidoi photographs. I think I've seen some of you ugly people there trying to pass yourself off as as a native of Nara just because you want your Narukidoi autograph. It just was awesome stuff there. Uh, really kind of hit the nail on the head of T-Hawk in a lot of ways there.
1: <laughs> oh, oh, Mike, it gets worse. Wait until we get to August because on that August 6th, August 6th Cork and Hall show... And I really, really wish this was on the Durangate Network. I don't, I don't understand why nothing before 2017 is up there because I don't, I don't know of any ownership changes in footage that would have occurred. To you, Mike?
0: No, I mean 2017 is when they started the network. I think maybe a little yeah, bit
1: the after. Yeah, ta- the no, the tail end of that year because I remember watching Champion Gate 2018 on the network.
0: Yeah, so I think that's why. I mean, but, like, the weird thing about all this is, is that for a long time, Gayora has had multiple on-demand services, like, including, like, like subscription-based, like, that you would pay, I think it was, like, 500 yen a month. And if you were already a Gayora subscriber, you would get, like, this archive of stuff. So stuff is digitized. They just haven't put it up.
1: Yeah, I, 2015 is far enough away now to where I'd really like to revisit all of this footage and... You know, I have some of it sitting around on my laptop, but it's just not the same. I, I pay for the Drag Gate Network. I'd like to be able to watch all of this stuff there because this Mad Blanky versus Millennials versus Jimmy's unit disbands match is absolutely insane. It ends up with Doi and Yamato against T-Hawk, against Rio Saito. Saito gets drugged to the back of the venue by Kness, leaving T-Hawk in there for Yamato and Doi. They pin him. They end the Millennials. And as I take a deep breath here to try to uh, gather my breath, I will read the post-match promo from Doi once again, Whereas he says, and of course, this is translated from iHeartTG. Doi said, "...there was nothing left to say. They won fair and square. The Millennials were done." Fans should hit the merch booth and buy what was left of their merchandise, not that anyone did before. There was plenty of it left and the company would probably have to make them buy it back themselves. Starting tomorrow, he expected to see all of the millennials with short black hair and simple black trunks. Doi then turned his attention to the Jimmies. just where did Saito get up and run off to in the latter stages Saito said he knew damn well where he went his teammate pulled him from the ring and dragged him all the way to the merchandise table in front of all of those leftover millennials goods doi said since Saito couldn't even be bothered to finish the match that should be the Jimmy's disband today too. They argued it had been until Doi proposed another unit disband match. Saito said that the Jimmys have climbed a ton of mountains in their four years together and that this was just one more. If Doi wanted an all-out war, he's got it. However, this time it would be five on five, one fall to a finish. Five on five means Mondai Ryu would have to take part. Doi wasn't having any of this. Under those rules, Monchan would have been beaten in like 10 seconds and all of it would be over. The match would have to be under the same survival elimination rules as today. Saito began to set the match for the September Korkin, but Doi stopped him. This wasn't going to wait until next month. It was going to happen next week, August 16th in Oda City. Mr. Otaku would end another unit. Saito wondered how he was Mr. Otaku if he lost last year and lost twice to Shima in that building. Doi promised to show him, and the match was set for Dangerous Gate. So, Mike Spears, that is how we got here.
0: Yeah, God, I remember that. Go by the merch line, very, very. <laughs> so You know, some things just get lodged in your head. Doi saying, "Oh, you have to go buy it before they make the the uh, wrestlers buy the merch back." Ice cold Naruki <laughs> Doi. God, so cool. So, <laughs> and yeah, just like it's something with Doi as a heel like there are very few like being a microphone intensive promotion i don't think like because shingo did got different responses a heel and berserk but i don't think there's anyone who came across as both as charismatic and also so spiteful and hateful as naruki doi did during this mad blonde run
1: yeah i don't I don't totally buy into all of the... Uh, up until 2017, then it's a different discussion, but I don't buy into a lot of the Shingo as a heel was bad for Drangate because I just never saw the business dip to any way that would make me believe it. But we can look at it now and we can understand that Doyle was clearly a more effective heel given the tone of this promotion because promos like this, although he did obliterate an entire generation of talent, they were so entertaining that you just have to look the other way.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I mean, like, that was, like, one of those things about T-Hawk, and if we ever do, like, a, do, like, a alternative history of T-Hawk, constantly having him in the position where you have such effective heel speakers as Shima, because, like, something that happened here that popped my head here, Shima lost the cage match in 2015. As a member of Mad Blanky, like two weeks after he got his front teen, teeth knocked out, he got his head shaved, and t hawk was about to leave the cage. He's like, you haven't taken my, a piece of my hair yet. And he basically called out T-Hawk, who was on the Royal Road to win to be at Kobe World. He basically said, like, you need, for lack of better words, you need to nut up T-Hawk. And it was like one of those things, I'm like Damn,
1: no wonder T-Hawk doesn't like talking now. Because
0: <laughs> it was like 10 minutes of Shima berating him in the ring.
1: Yeah, he never really stepped up to the plate, though. That's the issue. I mean, I, I at, at that point, you look back, they gave T-Hawk so many chances to become one of the guys, and he just did not have it in him. And I was a big T-Hawk advocate, advocate at the time, but he was not the guy.
0: I mean, we know what would have taken He it, it would have had to happen in IWRG, not to bring that up again. That promotion up, up again. But that that's how you could have got T Hawk to show some fire because I was always the complaint about him.
1: Yeah, no, T Hawk and IWRG was very, very entertaining, as was Mad Blankie versus the Jimmy's unit disbands match. One of the all time great, all time important unit disbands matches there's ever been. What are we now? Almost six and a half years from this match. Mike, how do you think it holds up?
0: I think it is still in my top three i would say i i think torymon versus red is the best disbands match they've ever had and it's going to take something to beat that i don't know if i like this one more than berserk versus die hearts versus monster express from 2016. that's the one i compare it to really but they're two completely different style matches like that's the thing and i just there's something about this that i like the cut they have up on the network because you start off with a lot of naoki tenazaki and Tanya looks awesome in this match. And it, it's one of those things that like, you know, it's like, dang, I would love to see him back. And I know it's not going to happen most likely, but that was like a big takeaway here. Kness getting his moments here. Mande Ryu before he broke his neck. And, you know, I mean, for, for me, like, I don't, Miss the Jimmys because I feel like I since I lived through all the Jimmys in a way, <laughs> but I miss Matt Blanky. I miss that combo, Matt Blanky, like Cyber Kong looking like an absolute monster. You know, like as a Cyber Kong monster in this match. Like, the, did, the, did you oh, feel the ahead. same? I'm gonna say, did you feel the same way about Matt Blanky versus Jimmys? Like, I don't miss the Jimmys, no. But I miss Matt
1: Blanky. No, even by the time that that berserk versus Jimmys match, where Jimmys disbands. Is that Dangerous Gate 2017? Is that on the same show where Mochizuki beat Yamato? I
0: think so, because this was the match that a lot of... A group of Na fans were really mad that uh, Shingo Takagi introduced Burp Wire.
1: Interesting. Okay, let me double-check this really quick, because I want to make sure I get this right as I tell what's a half-interesting story. Yeah, so that is Dangerous Gate 2017 which is Shimon Kid versus Big R Shimizu and Kotoka for the Dreamgate belts. It's the losing unit must disbands, no DQ match between Berserk and the Jimmies, and then Mochizuki versus Yamato. And quite frankly, in September of 2017, I had such little patience for Gate, And I remember th- knowing that I should really care that the Jimmies are done and knowing that I should care that Mochizuki is now the Dreamgate champion. But I just... It, it wasn't connecting with me. And so I would really like to go back and rewatch that berserk versus Jimmy's disbands match to know if I feel better about it now. And I know I loved it at the time, but I think I would like it even more with a clearer head. So I, I, I need to rewatch that. But yeah, the the February, 2016 berserk die hearts monster express match. That's as good as it gets for unit disbands matches.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's one of those things that I think, like other than the fact that like this is the legit uh heel disbands loser match like the, like that there is like that with it i will say though that like when this when this match heated up it really heated up like especially for like the backslide times like as soon as get like ginky Horikuchi, like it's something that like take makes you take a step back and go, like god there are very few wrestlers in this generation who have a command of the audience like ginky Horikuchi has
1: It's it's absurd. You're really dealing with masters of the craft in this match because you have Horiguchi, who I put over any possible time I get Horiguchi's phenomenal in this match. You have a series of moves, a finishing stretch, you know, where Susumu pins Kness and those two are just playing off of their history to such a beautiful degree. And what they're doing is so simple, but it is so magnificent in the way they approach their section of this match. And then what really struck me here, just because it had been a minute since I had watched them team, the fluidness of Yamato and Naruki Doi as a tandem. One of the all-time great tag teams. I don't have an issue saying that. Their sample size is smaller than a lot of those teams that we would consider to be the all-time greats. Young Bucks, Holy Demon Army, Jumbo and Tenru, Choshu and Yatsu, whoever else you want to throw in there, Fantastic's Midnight Express, Rock and Roll Express, even Speed Muscle. Yamano and Doi have a smaller resume than those teams do but their output their peak is second to none I mean it's just marvelous isn't it
0: yeah it's one of those things that when you talk about Dragon Gate and Dragon System tag teams like you really have to start with speed muscle and the question becomes Doi Yama versus speed muscle muscle really and it's something that like just for like if you like look just through like their tile defenses they're insane matches and then whenever they were in like matches like this i mean like there's a reason they held off on yamato getting turned on by berserk so long because him and doi doi is like one of the best tag team wrestlers in wrestling history yamato is someone that you know if you find the right person that he can gel with it's magic and that's what we got with them so much and it, it was just something that was such a delight here uh one of th- one of all that happens very early on in the match that I want to make sure we hit on because we're gonna probably talk about the after effects of this match after we conclude is Kness eliminating Naoki tanizaki after box shots
1: yes that's that's you know what that's I didn't even put together in my mind of what comes in the very immediate future of tanizaki, so you have the floor here
0: so after this match uh, Mad Blanky loses uh Jimmy's uh you have the nesca reunion of course they've teamed together basically since uh mtk was a thing so for off and on for 20 years of course they reunited and then the next week they're like oh we're gonna have our first ever six person jimmy's train it's going to be awesome and during this uh naoki turns on them and immediately joins for zerk
1: i completely forgot it was that soon after this match so bad job right. out of me because that was not even on my radar in this
0: well, well, it's something that's really subtle. So, the reason why Tanazaki and Tanazaki was always the problem child in the Jimmies, he always had problems with other Jimmies. Like, whenever they went combat mode, more often than not, it was due to something that Tanya did or said. But he was incredibly insulted by the fact that they would just welcome him in after he attacked him with a attacked a Jimmy's member with a box so violently in this match.
1: You know, the other thing that I like about the storytelling in this match, to go back to Yam- uh, Yamato and Doi for a second, is You know, Gabe and ROH tried really hard to get the Briscoes winning two straight falls and two out of three matches over, and the payoff just didn't work. One, because Gabe did it on a weird show. He did it in, like, Connecticut instead of doing it in New York. I'll never understand why he did that. But one of the things that Drangate got over, at least with me to a really strong degree, was in these big elimination multi-man matches, you would end up with Doi and Yamato alive. They did that when they... Uh, disbanded the millennials and they did that when they disbanded Hearts. and it's really interesting here to see the dynamic being susumu versus yamato and doi and the fact that susumu was able to pin doi in a phenomenal series of pins and then it really stood out to be watching it this time around i've seen this match a few times since it happened but watching it here once susumu pins doi susumu and yamato go into almost wrestlemania mode where they really sit and let that reaction of the crowd sink in for a good 30-45 seconds, far longer a pause than you would normally see in Dragon Gate, and then they go on their phenomenal finishing stretch, which we can talk about now.
0: Yeah, this finishing stretch is something special. I mean, it's something with, like, Susumu and Yamato, for, like, Yamato's later uh Dreamgate matches like him and Susumu had a really fun one I want to say I am thinking about the Mochizuki match that happened right after Mochizuki beat Imada for the title but they do have good chemistry together and just like the gruesome Jumbo Nokachis versus forearms that they were doing there was the that there was there was one spot before Ryo Saito got eliminated, I want to talk about just for a brief second. So this was so cool was him going for the double, the double cross into the Dojima sleeper into the Ragnarok, not the Ragnarok, the Galleria was really sick, but yeah, no Yamato and Sasumu Yokosuka, two great wrestlers, just having something that felt like that 45 seconds really mattered because it was like, Oh, there's going to be a finality here. We're, we are either going to see a heel unit lose or the longest tenured unit currently in Dragon Gate losing. And, You know, I felt like that was like the right building to do it in, too.
1: Oh, completely. I mean, everything works here. The chaos of August of 2015 is one of those things that will stick with me for a very long time. It has. We're six years after the fact that I still think about this as one of the true hot periods of this promotion. And what we end up with here is at the finishing stretch, Yamato holds Susumu and kind of a full Nelson uh, towards the ropes. Kness pops up on the apron. He grabs a handful of powder. He goes to hit Susumu with it. Susumu reverses, puts Yamato in front of him. Kness puts down uh, the, the weapon that he was about to use. Everything slows down. Susumu and Yamato go back to their match, and then Kness enters the ring. He drills Yamato with a face full of powder. The crowd erupts like the Beatles have just come out, and then Susumu is able to pin Yamato with the help of Kness. They eliminate Mad Blanky once and for all.
0: Yeah, and it's not just the power attack. They immediately go do the uh, the the big off the top. Uh, yeah, that's uh, right. The, drop. The, yeah,
1: the, the Kinesco double team.
0: Yeah, it just was sick. And y- you know, Kanessa, like being the great worker he is, he pauses for the moment and he grabs even more powder, going like, "I'm gonna make this thing look great." And God, it does.
1: Oh, it's it's just it's such a great finishing stretch. I mean, this is everything that you would hope for as a Dragon Gate fan, where you have this amazing match where bell to bell, there's these rich layers of storytelling. And you have Horaguchi relying on the backslide. You have Yamadoi running wild. You have Susumu doing his thing. You have all of this Kinesse and Tanazaki stuff going on. And then at the very end of it, Kaneska comes back together years and years apart now one of the greatest tag teams in the history of the promotion has reunited they take out mad Planky. it's just what this promotion does better than anything else and that is in a way a good way to summarize both mad blankey and the jimmies is that it's drangate at their absolute best in those certain ballparks a fun-loving babyface unit a dominant heel unit drangate really got it right with those two and in this disbands match they hit every beat you would want them to hit
0: yeah, and this is why, like, right afterwards, everyone was like, this is the best Dispense match they ever had. And, of course, the two matches we mentioned afterward happened after this. So this was the high-water mark for a while, and it's still one of those really special ones and some of the most intricate storytelling that Dragon Gate does. And the the fact that they made a point afterwards, I don't know if you have this note, that they, they had a big conversation about what Kness's collar would be in the Jimmys because he couldn't be blue that's Condas color it's like well i liked wearing yellow ginky got immediately very defensive and was like <laughs> yellow is my color you know this from you, you know this from old times he's like yeah yeah i guess i'll be pink and it's like well you can't add jimmy to your name so he's like well i'll be jimmy kness jks exclamation point exclamation point exclamation point and i was like oh yeah that works that works
1: yeah, Kinesk turning into the Rob Van Dam of Dragon Gate. And then to add on to that, you know, the, they, they set up in the post match promo they did to headline Cork and Hall the next month that Summer Adventure Tag League was Yamadoi versus Kineska in the main event. And I don't remember that match. I would have reviewed it. I guess I could look at my review at voiceswrestling.com. But they followed up with that. And then Kineska has their mini revival run, which is not as good as the original, but still pretty damn good.
0: Yeah, it was still really fine stuff at the end of the day.
1: So that is two of the more important matches in the history of Kness. The three-way trios match from August of 2001, the first one Torrey did that made tape. That is on the Drangate Network, as well as the Dangerous Gate 2015 Mad Blanky versus Jimmy's unit disbands match. If you've never seen it, now you have to watch it with all of that context I just gave you. And if it's been a while since you've seen it, go watch it again. It is one of my favorite matches in Drangate history.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and we'll we'll be dipping back in. We'll be talking about a lot of Kness's big highlights throughout his career as we lead up into his retirement on April 7th. And I think it's about time for us to, you know, we went a lot longer on this than I thought, but let's go through this very fun Kyoto show from the 11th. They'll be up on the network until the 18th. And my big takeaway was Kyoto is just a fun venue. There was nothing that hit as high as Corkin for me. But, you know, I thought that there was a lot of interesting stuff on the show what was your big takeaway from the show in Kyoto
1: we are a month and a half into drangate in 2022 we are a week away from memorial gate in 2022 as of the time we're recording this i know that probably startled you mike because it startled me because i just i just remembered that but although we haven't had a big show this year which means we haven't had any you know go out of your way to see match the year contender type matches i will say Kyoto, February 11th, 2022. As of this show, I have a new match of the year in Dragon Gate. It was on this show. We'll talk about it when we get to it.
0: Really? Okay. I did not hit as high there. I, I had two matches that I was at three and three quarters, but nothing that finished up that, that high on that. Wow. Okay. Kyoto's showing out today. I'm just an interesting show, I would say. Very good lead up to, especially to what's going to be happening this week and coming up in Hakata. We opened up with high-end versus unaffiliated. Yamato, Benkei, and Keisuke Akuda versus Sachi Okoboy, and The Hashi Brothers, it was Yamato pinning uh, Riki with a brain buster in 9 minutes and 45 seconds.
1: I love whenever we get Sachi Hoka Boy on a random show like this because maybe my memory is just serving me incorrectly, but I don't feel like he pops up on too many Kyoto shows. So I really liked seeing him in this. And although we've been a little bit critical of Akuda lately, and perhaps the rigidness of his style and his lack of progress since that big Bravegate run. He has excellent chemistry with the Hashi brothers, and so this was a match where I, I thought all six guys were able to do things that they do really well, and as a result, this was a very, very fun opener for me. This show got started off on the right foot.
0: The, the thing about this match for me, I went three and a quarter. I thought this was good fun. The thing that got me was, and maybe it's just me hyper analyzing, but it seems like no one's selling for Riki Ahashi at all now. And I was like, wow, did he like mess up laundry one day <laughs> that everyone's just like, oh, you could run into me for a solid minute? I'm not exaggerating. He he did running shoulder tackle, tackles into Benke for a solid minute, and Benke did not budge in this match.
1: Yeah. there The the way Benke is wrestling, and I, I think it's. Less about Ricky Yahashi, although now I'm dying to know if he screwed up laundry. I really wish we still had our dojo source that could have told us that. But it, it, it's it's they're doing something with Ben K. I, I feel like although he just had a Dreamgate shot in November, I think with the du- the direction that the Dreamgate is headed, which I've been pretty uh, upfront about, I think they're doing Kai to Shimizu. Shimizu's going to defend against Ben K. And then he'll lose it to, I think, Coach Minora. But we'll see what happens. Uh, it seems like they're heating Benke up because he's looked very, very dominant lately.
0: I I mean he's someone you could plug into for defenses, and uh, as we've talked about, I don't think you're burning a, a matchup of Shimizu versus Benke if that's the route you're going down. And any match against Benke and Kai, you're not really kind of uh, losing anything there. I would say. Uh, it, it it's interesting though because like when they book him stronger like oh yeah no that they super care about him and it's like oh yeah that makes sense but eh, i don't know we'll we'll see how i i'm interested to see how things come out of osaka especially with that second cork in in april with him
1: would ben at this point would him turning heel be better worse or the same for him
0: i mean he wouldn't have to talk at all
1: yeah, but he doesn't have to talk now. He's in a unit with Yamato.
0: Yeah, yeah, and Yamato doesn't shut up, as we saw on <laughs> the.
1: Notoriously, in the <laughs> as
0: we saw in a segment we'll get to in a second, but uh, I don't know. Like, he would add some. I don't think he solves Zebrat's problems initially. Like Zebrats really needs someone to eat fall, so it's not Heo all the time. But for him. It wouldn't hurt, but I don't see the thing that's going to really permanently get him out of being in the Ben K zone. I don't know what it is unless he takes elocution classes.
1: I think a lot of talk within our bubble about Ben K and his position on the roster, it's all very overrated. Ben K is often pushed to a really high degree. I don't know where this talk about him just being left by the wayside comes from. I think he's now hit a point where he's not rising to our expectations, or I guess he's not rising to the level of expectations that you would expect from a a former Open the Dreamgate champion. That's the way that should be phrased. I don't think our expectations are too high, and I still don't think Ben is meeting them. It's a him issue, but I would rather him ride it out in high end than him turn heel. I don't like Ben K as a heel. I understood why they turned him. Uh, in RED, but I did not like that run. I prefer him as a baby face and oh, for my issues with high end I still prefer Ben K there.
0: Yeah and my my thing about Ben K is this thing from like oh they're hiding Ben K. I think they know what they have in Ben K. It's just, you know, it's a, things- it's
1: the Ben K zone. He's a he's a firmly entrenched upper right. mid-carter. He's mm-hmm. a credible Dreamgate contender. It's not like he takes falls all the time no, he, he's fine. I, he's not I, again. You're right. He's not a record setting open the Dreamgate champion, but that's not the end all be all for me. I, I think this talk of, oh, what are they doing with Ben K? You know, this guy's got to get heat up. He was cycled down. I don't think that's true. I think he's been pushed pretty regularly just without a title for a while now. But again, he had a credible Dreamgate defense in November where, you know, for as much as I hated that build and Mike, you know, I hated that build. Oh, I was with the, you. Ma- I was the, with the you. match turned out to be fine. They drew a decent house in Sendai. There were no issues with it because Ben K came across as a credible challenger, even if they shit the bed in every other city besides Sendai.
0: I have a theory about this and case, you know what? My mantra is about 2022. What's that? I'm working stiff. I'm not pulling punches.
1: Mike said some crazy shit before we started recording. I will not repeat it, but Mike is, is not only working stiff. Mike is working blue this year. You could make it say like
0: I said some things profane. I I said some very <laughs> honest truths before we went on air, but was like, it "Wow, was, that's
1: it was just shockingly honest. I couldn't believe it." But anyways, go ahead.
0: I think, and I am not saying this out of disrespecting to people about this. I think that being K for someone, if you're people that are just like watching big shows, which is totally in their right, and are watching like big matches. Ben K might be more appealing than someone like KZ. And if you look at the skill sets and how they're booked, Ben K is booked stronger than KZ a lot of the time. Like, I can't think of the last time that Ben K has lost a fall that wasn't like a title match. He does not lose falls. KZ will lose falls occasionally. But the big difference there is you can't really put KZ, in, and I know we pick on them a lot. I'm not trying to be mean here. You can't put KZ in New Japan for and he would work there. You could put Ben K into New Japan and it works. So I think it's someone that's easily connectable for people who dip their toes in. And I think it's someone that you can easily slot him elsewhere with how he wrestles and his style and his intrinsic qualities so he gets hyper hyper focused there whereas i think that i mean he's since losing the Dreamgate, he's had a, a triangle gate run he's had he's been booked really well he's had Dreamgate shots it's not like if dragon gate was done with with ben K, we would know they were done with ben K. and that's none of the sort happening here
1: you know that Triangle gate run when it was him and Daya in Strong Machine J is a really important thing to bring up, because just with the way that I think we remember things as viewers, that reign was cursed because it was a few months after, or I guess it was it was right after he lost the Dream Gate, because he lost the Dream Gate in December of 2019 at Final Gate, and then he won that Triangle Gate belt in late February, maybe it was March 1st of that year, but then COVID hit and he went away for a while. And I remember doing this on the podcast going like, man, I feel like Ben K has been cycled down lately. Oh, wait a minute. He's opened the Triangle Gate Champion. That rain yeah, yeah. just came at the worst time. And we kind of block it out of our memories. But he went from the Dream Gate belt to another title rather immediately. And to add on to the package of what you were talking about with Ben K there, you know, you're now listening to two guys, Mike and I, who wrote articles about, about how Ben K was the next ace of the promotion. And I will stand mm-hmm. by all of those things that we wrote because through that build of 2019, that is the way they were positioning him. Now, long-term there were issues that needed to be addressed. He hasn't exactly risen to the occasion since then. He hasn't helped his profile since losing that Dreamgate title in 2019, but We knew from his debut, through beating Pac, through losing to to Naruki Doyen in December of 2019, that that was a guy pegged for main event status, and he succeeded in all of those uh, quests that we put him on as fans. It's everything that's happened after the fact, 2020 onwards, where I don't think Ben K has lived up to the hype in the way that he should have.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I don't think that those are unfair statements there. And yeah, no, I I defend my article that I wrote then At, at the time and the way things were booked and the way that... Pack walked out of all elite wrestling briefly because he was not going to do a clean job while champion. You know, it just it all lines up. So I am fine for he's at he he is not out of a picture here case because immediately after this we had the trial gate tournament teams announced for the shows in across Fukuoka on the twentieth. It's it's doubleheader the first one of the year. High end is Yamato and Benkei and Dragon Kid. Z Bratz is Hyo, BB Hulk, and Shun Skywalker. Dragon Gate Future is getting in all the action, the Hashi Brothers and Fujiwara. But the big thing happened here was Natural Vibes came out because they were the only two teams that were announced at the time, KZ, UT, and Funky, and Jackie Funky Kame. And I, I got to talk to Kameh here because you can either be a short king or you can be something else. And he got really offended by Yamato calling him short. He started calling him stupid repeatedly. And it was Kamei just got fired up there.
1: I'm elated for this Triangle Gate tournament. We'll talk about this obviously next week. Four great teams. I'm assuming the future team will lose, but it, with the, I mean, it's it's the Ahashus and Fujiwara. So you could also tell me they're going to win the whole thing, and I wouldn't really blink twice. Great lineup, should be great matches. This segment was a win. A lot of fun stuff here.
0: No misses here with this. Well, like any matchups that they could put together with these four teams like there's not a sleeper on here like sometimes you get some that are going to be like eh, okay no the, the this match the this tournament has a whole lot going on for it next match was two unaffiliated teams the former masquerade team jason lee and la estrella versus Ata and yosuke san maria estrella schoolboy maria after Ata just gave like one of the most ugly looking eye rakes and this kind of was like a prolonged handicap match because they kind of played back that YouTube uh digest match we were talking about last week.
1: Yes, so the story here that they're doing, and it seems like they're touring this in every town that they go in, is Ata and Maria are teaming. Ata wants no part of teaming with Maria. He'll antagonize her throughout the match. He'll oftentimes, as he did here, cost her the match, as last ended up pinning uh Yosuke Santa Maria here. And this will eventually, I'm sure, come to some sort of reconciliation. But right now, despite the affection that Maria is showing for Ata and the fact that they are teaming together on shows, Ata is not having it.
0: Yeah, so prolonged angle there. Uh, match three, this was a lot of fun. Unaffiliated versus brats. Unaffiliated team Ultimo, Strong Machine J, Takuma Fujiwara, and Ria Fuda versus the ZBrats team of BB Hulk, SB Kento, Shun Skywalker, and Diamante. SB Kento tapped out Ria Fuda with the SB Shooter. I, this was one of the matches I went three and three quarters and almost went four on case.
1: If this match finishes in my Dragon Gate top 10, we are in for a very disappointing 2022. But as of right now, as of the date we're recording this, February 15th of this year, my Dragon Gate match of the year, I went four and a quarter stars on this match.
0: All right, so you're a half star higher than I am on this. This does not happen super often, case. What put this match over the top for you?
1: Well, first of all, in an extremely on-brand sentence, uh, Takuma Fujiwara and Diamante's chemistry is something that I do to see a whole hell of a lot more of. Those are two guys that, believe it or not, because they seem to work well with everybody, but those two guys work especially well together. Did, they, did their chemistry pop off the screen for you as well? Yeah, I love the Zebrats tandem,
0: you know? Oh like, God, yeah shun skywalkers plugged himself in there uh just like prolonged heat on fujiwara throughout this diamante was the highlight of it but everyone looked awesome there like i've really enjoyed shun since he's turned heel and it was the one of the things that that i kind of took a second i was like you know what i'm very i'm very appreciative of this i wanted to, to say that ultimo doing ultimo stuff two and a half years in God bless him. I loved it. <laughs> Ultimo's just going to do the same things. And you know what? I, I, I'm i pleased each time. I did not think this would happen 18 months into, not 18 months, 30 months into his return to the dragon system. But each time Ultimo's in there, I'm like, oh, he's going to do this, the spinning kick. He's going to do the head scissors uh, uh, bulldog takeover. He's going to be doing all the things. And he does exactly what I think he's going to do. And it really pops me each time.
1: Yes, exactly. So you get this prolonged heat sequence on Fujiwara. He's selling his ass off. He's doing a tremendous job of it. And he makes a hot tag to Ultimo Dragon, who, for whatever reason this year, seems to be working a little stiffer than normal. And he runs through all of his spots, like you said. He takes on SB Kento, and I thought Ultimo and SBK looked great together. He, of course, does his sequence with Diamante, where Diamante gets monkey-flipped to the floor. And he is, you know, with his hands at the top rope and his feet pointed at the air, all six feet of him, make a perfect, uh, uh, you know, he's standing straight up on the ropes. It was uh, the bump Diamante took there was excellent. And then the match really breaks down. You have Strong Machine J in an environment where I thought he really thrived. He looked great against Shun Skywalker here. BB Hulk took issue with Ryo Fuda for a lot of this match. And then you end up with Fuda on SB Kento, where, again, Fuda taps to the SB shooter. This was just a dynamic dynamite sprint this is exactly what i was hoping for from this match i thought all eight guys were put in a position to do what they do really well strong machine j included i loved this match a fantastic start to the smaller show circuit for Zebrats.:
0: yeah fuda was someone that we've been wanting to see a little bit more of but if you have him in, in an eight person tag where he's maybe wrestling two or three minutes he looks great you know, and it lets him highlight his positives here, so I thought that was a good use of him, and there's something about Strong Machine J teaming with Ultimo that he gets a little bit of his mojo back,
1: I feel Showa, like. Showa-style pro wrestling. That's Strong a, Machine J and Ultimo do really well together.
0: <laughs> yeah, get, get Shuichi Kondo after he's done teaming with Harada. That's a Triangle Gate team, if you ask me.
1: Yeah, there is something about Strong Machine J and Ultimo as a team where they they bring out the best in each other. It's, it's very nice. As somebody who's rooting for Strong Machine J, I don't know if it's ever going to come together the way I want it to, but I'm rooting for him and he tends to do his best work now when he's in there with Altimo.
0: Yeah, no, I'm totally with you on that. Uh, match four, we had the Open the Twin Gate Champions. You still have a chance case. If you, ha- if you have not already tweeted at DG, at Dragon Gate EN, we still have a chance up until... Actually, no, we we missed that chance here. I was excited because it was like this <laughs> but it said up until up until eleven fifty nine Japan time so yeah, that was this morning. So did you tweet a tag team name for daya and Yoshioka?
1: I cannot name anything. It's the one responsibility in life i don't well, i want to name my I have very specific names for my child's, my children, my child's God damn it case, my children picked out
0: child.
1: <laughs> God damn, but I tag team and unit names. I, let's just say I couldn't do better than Zebrats, so I wouldn't dare try to name Dragon Daya and Yuki Yoshioka.
0: I like the Daya's. I mean, they're the Daya's. That's,
1: yeah, I want to, to do da, uh, Daya Yuki or y- Yoshi. Yeah, no, it does. I'm not doing this. I, they're a great Dai tag Yoshi. team. Daya Yoshi. Daya Yoshi. Fucking there shit, man. That's, thank you. I, we're at 90 minutes of the show. I'm going to start cussing for some reason now. I've, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why that happened, but that's what's happening. Uh, they're a great tag team, and I look forward to their name.
0: Yeah, so they went up against Dragon Kid and Yuzushi Kanda. So really, at that point, you're just getting guys on the card with this. And I thought that was really interesting. It was the Darkness Buster and Fog Splash on Kanda for the champions to win here. I thought it was kind of a fascinating story of like one team that's really come together and is gelling on all cylinders against two guys who don't team that much.
1: My only note here, I thought it was a fine match, one that certainly doesn't, drag on I, I think it's worth watching actually just because of how good this dia and Yoshioka tag team is but the twisting moonsault that dragon dia is doing off the back of Yoshioka is they need an official move name for that because that is one of the gnarliest things that i have seen in some time
0: yeah it's like stuff you would see jack evans do with roderick strong
1: yeah that's a, that's a great comp that's exactly what it is i'm sorry i mean like this is kind of like a gen x
0: tag team maybe gen x is but i can't time travel back to 11 a.m so I can't submit that. That that should have been their win there. But
1: I, yeah. Look, I would, I would. you know, I've said before, if I was building a wrestler, I would just use most of Austin Aries as a template for as big of a headache as he is. Uh, if I was a WrestleMania weekend promoter, yeah, I'd be booking Dragon Dian Yuki Oshioka versus Aries and Strong. I would absolutely like to see that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, Gen X versus Gen. <laughs> versus
1: <God>. Gen X. <laughs> versus
0: Gen X, yeah, yeah, yeah. starting to think of a pithy way to say that. I, I like seeing... Daya and DK in there. Like, I know I've seen them against each other, like, during the Generation War and all of that, but it's just one of those things that's, like, first time they're in the ring against each other since Daya lost the mask. You know, I thought that was kind of interesting.
1: Oh, yeah, it's, it's something I would really like for this promotion to explore more as the year goes along.
0: Yep. Uh, we have my main event, uh, Natural Vise versus Zebrats. KZ and Big Boss Shimizu versus the Open the Dream Gate champion, Kai and Hio. It was Shimizu over Hio with the Big Boss Press in 1405, and I feel pretty promised that I feel like it's pretty promising stuff between Kai and Shimizu leading into their match in Osaka.
1: Oh yeah. I have full faith in Shimizu that that is going to be a really good match. I I'm actually, I'm really excited about it because I I, that's on a weekend. I'm going to try to watch both of those shows live. And I really think Shimizu versus Kai is going to deliver. So I'm looking forward to that. This match was 14 minutes. I thought it started pretty slow, but the last half of the match, with KZ going wild and with Shimazu and Kai banging into one another, uh, banging into one another with such intensity, this became a worthwhile endeavor as well. Another really fun three star, three and three, uh, three and a quarter star match.
0: Yeah, I went three and a half. Uh, I really was. I, I was I was I don't want to say taken aback, but I was really encouraged by that chemistry between Kai and Shimizu. Like you were saying, KZ has a very bad haircut, but he was very good in this match. And first time we got to see some Z-Brats crowd brawling. I I've been trying to like figure out well, like what their new template is, other than Kai wants nothing to happen during Dreamgate matches. And I was interested to see we actually didn't get full interference, but we got some uh, we got some back to forth. And someone gave SB Kento a whip. Like did you notice this SV Kanto now has a whip?
1: Did I? I was delighted by it. Okay. <laughs> let me ask you as Mike once again tries to alienate the horny drangate audience which as we know is the uh most vocal audience of drangate. Let me ask you as we're one week away from Memorial Gate and now that I think about it, I don't know when we're going to record next. We'll probably record later in the week next week. So count this as your Memorial Gate preview as well. Shimizu versus Kai, Dreamgate title. Who do you see walking away with the belt?
0: I think it's Kai still. I think I think they get him two keys and they get the belt off him maybe at that April Corkin or Dead or Alive still. My Dead or Alive idea still is alive, by the way. Which is to remind me. Oh, it's Ada wins the cage and SB Kento wins the title in his hometown so we get Ada versus SB Kento at Kobe World. Remember how cracked out that idea was?
1: Yeah, no, that is actually a, a phenomenal idea. Uh, It's that's you know that's what I love about this promotion right now is I feel like we we have two totally different but totally realistic Kobe World main event possibilities where I think they're doing menorah versus Skywalker and you think they're doing SB Kento versus Ada, and both could very easily happen.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, it, it's all pretty exciting stuff. Uh, so that match is Champion Gate, though. Uh, the Dream oh, Gate. shit,
1: yes it is. I'm, I I'm thought it was on the same show as uh, the Twin Gate match at Memorial Gate, but it is yeah. not.
0: So th- I did not mention this. Uh, the former Masquerade, La Estrella, and Jason Lee made a challenge for Memorial Gate on the 23rd uh very everyone was very applied uh yuki yoshioka kind of jokingly was like oh you're shaking hands i guess i should too and he was like clearly laughing as he was doing so so i think that's a strong defense to be big uh astraya needs to step up parties coming out again for this that's a big uh scenario for him
1: yeah diane yoshioka versus jason Leon and is the exact type of match that i will lose my mind over so i'm very excited for that
0: yeah I, I mean, we all know what the question mark in that match is, the other three parts. We could pretty much in our minds think what this match could be, and it would be I, excellent. I do
1: have faith that Jason Lee and Dragon and Yuki Yoshioka can have a very good match. And in this spot, I'm going to trust Australia too. I think that match could be really excellent.
0: I, I'm not writing off La Estrella. I will not write someone off in Dragon Gate. I just want to see him, you know, take the steps. The, that's all I want to see, and this is a big step for him and I think that'll be really kind of interesting to see how they do this match and see what other stuff we get out of Yoshi. I, I I like the chemistry that they've shown only teaming together really for less than a month. But, like, they just hit their one-month anniversary case.
1: Yeah, that should be really good stuff.
0: Yeah. Main event, we had the unnamed trio, Naruki Doi, Kota Minora, and Kaido Ishida versus Natural Vibes, assuming Yokosuka, Ut and Jackie Funky Kamei a uh, Kodama Menora, one a move I haven't seen him win before. It's called the Raz. It basically is a air raid crash variant that he did. I don't remember seeing him win a match with with this move beforehand.
1: No, I was going to ask you this question. It looks like something Alex Shelley would do. So very I, Alex I'm Shelley. A, I'm a fan of it, but yeah, I don't remember ever seeing him win with this match either.
0: Yeah, so he penned, uh He uh, oh, he Menora. penned, uh, uh, penned with this in 12 minutes and 38 seconds great to see the chemistry from the the hot boys immediately
1: oh yeah no this trio is locked in i mean there's a lot that they could do here are you in agreement that whoever wins the triangle gates at fukuoka they're gonna wrestle this trio of ashita doya minora at champion gate
0: i feel like because they'll be recently named and you know it's it just makes sense really i guess like Minora's Clearly positioned as number one in this group, that came out to Menorah's theme. He was announced last; he got the win. Doy is playing number two here, so they're going to try to go full court press with this. I feel like out the gates,
1: and I think they can lose, especially given what we just saw with Zebrats, where they lost in Corkin, and, and sure enough, they show up here and they're fine. Nothing happened. They already look strong. They're already credible. Everything's okay. You could beat that Minora, Ashida and Doi team, assuming you don't pin Minora, which I don't think they'll do, and that unit will still very much be okay.
0: Yeah, I mean, they've already kind of portrayed Kaito Ishida as the one that's like, this guy might be the problem. He doesn't seem to be taking to this as well as Minora does.
1: I've got to talk with Kaito Ishida about the way he speaks about women. He was not in favor of these ladies in Kyoto. He,
0: you know, he spent too much time with Eita. You know, and Ata just enabled him to use very unnice words. You know, he just needs to. Kota is a nice boy. Kota Minora will, will teach him to respect people.
1: Kota Minora is like an Abercrombie and Fitch model. That's basically what his new gimmick is. He is head empty, no thoughts, hot guy.
0: He he's the himbo of the new era.
1: <laughs> if I if I if I found an Abercrombie and Fitch, which would I I think there's one in downtown Chicago. But do if they I, exist
0: still? I mean, that's my mall days case. Like that was big in like two thousand.
1: So, okay. So what were what were the brands you had? uh, Abercrombie and Fitch. You had, well, Paxson was a store, right? Uh, Yeah, yeah. But you had okay. So you had Abercrombie and Fitch. You had Aeropostale, Hollister, and American Eagle. Were those all big in your day?
0: Hollister only really started to break out. Like okay. when I was like going away to college. Because I, I, mean,
1: I really liked Hollister growing up. That was my favorite of the brands because it was kind of a surfer brand. It was a little edgier.
0: I I mean, I aged out, man. I, you know, like I went from like American Eagle to like shopping at the cab. <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> like, like, like that happened,
0: you know. But uh, I, I was like, I was more towards American Eagle, which was like more of like a, I don't want to say upscale, but a little bit more dressy than Old Navy, I would say. Oh, yeah. Oh,
1: completely. Because as a kid, when I was desperate to make friends, because I came from like a really small elementary school where they were all farm kids and hicks, myself included, and then we were all funneled into the richest part of central Indiana in this fifth and sixth grade school where, you know, kids were very much on trend in a way that I was unfamiliar with before. So my parents went from buying me clothes at Old Navy to me forcing their hand and making them go to American Eagle. I was never an Abercrombie guy. I'd be caught dead in Aeropostale, but American Eagle and Hollister I like quite a bit. And at least at that time, in the midst of the Great Recession, when I was making my parents go to American Eagle, it was far more expensive than Old Navy.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, like, I was in high school, and I remember when we got a Hot Topic in Fort Worth, Texas.
1: Oh, God, take me back.
0: Oh, I mean the 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 T shirts they had at that time. I mean, it was like Kitty the band, uh, a couple Aussie T shirts. Lincoln Park was big at that time. I'm still a big Lincoln Park fan. Case that that's I, oh, well, hey
1: brother, we're on the same page there.
0: You don't want to know how many times I've listened to their uh, subway performance, by the way.
1: But <laughs> I, look, I'm on record. I will defend it till I die. The Jay Z Lincoln Park Collision Course EP is a masterpiece. It's perfect. Great
0: reanimation meteora i mean come on minutes to midnight midnight nothing but hits there nothing but hits there but uh it's something that like i i dressed it like for first and foremost my exposure to music came really late because i just didn't care like growing up like i i've said this before my first three albums were the best of we Al yankovic parts one and two <laughs> uh acdc back in black and michael jackson compilation history this was, again, this was like 1999, though. God, that's a really weird group of music, Mike. That's really weird. <laughs> and you wonder why I mainly listen to, like, sludge metal and <laughs> southern hip-hop now.
1: That's, God, I can't, I can't even make a, like, a judgment call there. That's just a really strange trio of albums. I, I learned so much about you, and yet nothing about you from that.
0: <laughs> just the way I like it.
1: I there there there's a hot topic by my house. I remember I came home from my freshman year of college, and the girl I was dating at the time, we had been together for about a year at this point, and she was all excited because my mom, missing her son, gave me money. She was like, "You you deserve new clothes. Like you just came back from college. Go to the mall, see what you can get." She gave me like a hundred bucks or whatever, and all I I walked into Hot Topic. I said, do you guys have any Morrissey t-shirts? And they're like, yeah, we've got one on the wall. I said, all right, extra large. And I bought a Morrissey t-shirt. Then I was with my girlfriend. I was like, all right, well, I'm ready to go home. And she was so upset. She was like, what What is wrong with you that your mom said, hey, knock yourself out here. Go get new clothes. And your first thought was, I wonder what Morrissey t-shirt I can buy today. Why are you like the way you are? And I had no good response. I'm broken. What can I tell you?
0: I mean... It, it was something that for, like, if you were someone who, were, who was not going to concerts, which I was not, you know, you could go get yourself the Dashboard professional t-shirt, and you still felt like you were with it.
1: Oh, my God, yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that's the nurse right there.
0: I mean, it's just, like, I—it it was weird because it was right next to the Spencer Gift Shore. A lot of overlap there in Fort Worth, Texas between I someone don't... who—
1: I don't know if I've ever been in the Spencer's Gifts. I'm well aware uh, of the, I'm well aware of the reputation it has. I'm not knocking Spencer's by any means. I just don't think I have put two feet in that store before.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. You're doing all right. You know, you, <laughs> you,
1: I'm not missing anything by avoiding no, Spencer's.
0: No, and all of your takes about it, you know, you're pretty dead on about that. Yes. Pretty dead on about that. Up,
1: up. I, I, I'm sure some people enjoy it. It's not not my place
0: yeah no i remember the first time i watched family guy too (laughs) i I told you 2022 i'm not pulling punches
1: no that Uh, was really funny that got me (laughs) yeah uh, so this
0: match rocked like getting back to the main event before we hit hour three of a show that's just about kyoto and two matches what's our problem uh i thought this rocked like really was cool to see how uh, Menonora, Doi, and Ishida just came together and like just lockstep, uh, Jackie Funky Kamei had his longest corner kick spot ever, which pops me, of course. And, you know, just was a lot of fun of as a main event. And it's something that we've seen how 2021 was all about masquerade versus RED. We're leaving that age. And you look at the top four matches and you have, it, just like look at it. you have a, a team that's going to remain unaffiliated it seems you have someone from high end you have an unaffiliated guy you have the natural vibes all over this thing and you have z and it's something where it feels like and this unnamed hot boy unit feels like the company's in a real healthy spot you know just like taking a step back and looking at this show like this is a spot show in case you had two notebook matches and i had two matches that was really close to notebook on there
1: yeah, because I won four stars on this main event as well. I think it's absolutely worth going out of your way to see. There's some trio spots with Doi Ishida that can use some work, but I like the direction they're headed, so I'm going to award their innovation there. But to go on to your point, like I said, and I, I wasn't being facetious, you know, when I talked about the opening match of Korkin last week, that Diane Yoshioka versus UT and, and Jackie Funky Kame match. That was four hot guys doing cool moves, and that is what this promotion was built off of, and it seems like we are really hitting that point where we have the Toriumon sensibility with a new cast of characters, and I really, really like that. I'm really bullish on the current direction of this company, not just with SB Kento and with Skywalker and with even, you know, Fujiwara to some degree, dare I throw his name in there, as, as the main adventures of the future, just on a show-to-show basis, I really like the tone of this promotion right now. It feels very comforting, even with all of these new units and these new faces, and I don't think that's by accident.
0: Yeah, and it's going to be something that I really wanted to, like, you brought up, like, the sensibilities and, like, kind of redoing, like, Toribon stuff— It'll be really kind of interesting. Uh Might be something to do during the 2023 January cult spell. Take a step back and see like how much it really did emulate that. Because I think you, I think you found something there. I think you found some oil on that.
1: Yeah, it, it's, you know, when Ultimo came into the promotion, and I, I've talked about this a lot recently, I was so scared about what influence he might have and how he might change the promotion. And, and stuff like the Dragon Scramble Battle Royals coming back, I was not crazy about it. I I did not love that stuff at first, just because it felt like we were treading back to the social dance era. You know, which I have an issue with and which obviously Sua has an issue with, as we discussed earlier, but whether it's intentional or not the way they've recruited and trained these current guys and ultimo has no say in the training i've asked people in the company ultimo is not there he's not hanging out at the dojo but believe it or not ultimo dragon at this point is not hanging out in the kobe dojo but (laughs) there is (laughs) i'm just imagining him just like rolling up (laughs) just him rolling up uh kz
0: running drills you know six guys just really working their asses off and Ultimo is like rolling in there he has this rolling suitcase he he has his mask and a fedora on you know yeah he's asked to put out the cigar you know did him just like standing there just observing
1: don't see that happening at all at all i would like to see it though that'd be quite entertaining oh God, yes. but but yeah i mean he's not involved in any sort of operation like that but it does seem like they are really gravitating towards the things that made this promotion so special and more importantly, so different. And that was something that I, I was thinking a lot when I was doing, to reference the, the the Between the Sheets episode that I did a few weeks ago, and I was really looking back at the start of this promotion and how we got to where we are. You know, something that has been said by by people who I respect their opinions of, even if I disagree with this, is that, you know, Toriumon had such a distinct flavor and all of the wrestlers on the roster, they not only have these, uh, these outlandish gimmicks, but they all seem to wrestle in their own unique way. And a lot of the people that love Toriumon but fell off for Drangate felt like when the Drangate Dojo took over, that class of guys, while they were all immensely talented, they lost the uniqueness of being a Toriumon-style wrestler, where they were all able to do their things in their own unique way. You know, Shisa was different from Horiguchi, who was different from Shima, who was different from Sua, who was different from Tanazaki, who was different from Mulatto. You know, when you look at the early Gate Dojo graduates, Shingo Hulk, Tozawa, yes, they're different, but they're in the same mold, as is Yamato. What we're getting now is we're getting guys who fit into the context of this promotion beautifully but they all have their own styles once again Dai is different from Kamei who is different from Yoshioka who is different from Fujiwara who is different from Yuti who is different from Shoya Sato like we're once again seeing individuals really shine in this promotion and I think long term that is going to be very very beneficial for the health of this company Like I said, I'm very excited about where they're going, not only in terms of star power, where I think, you know, between a Fujiwara and an SB Kento, and in terms of being the beating heart of the promotion, a Kameh and a UT certainly serve their purposes there. But again, just on a show-to-show basis, I think Drangate is really close to having something special with this crop of talent in this era with these units.
0: Yeah, and I think it's how much, if you take the class of 2020 on, like just hammering your point home, how different they are and it really does resemble how different you know tori japan was and i think that that's something that you know returning to a comfortable approach but with new characters i mean it's tried and true yeah i mean it worked for them 22 years ago (laughs) so like why shouldn't it be emulated now so i i think it's fascinating that this is kind of the re that we are seeing this reset after, like, and it makes sense though, with like R.E.D. being so dominant for so long and then now becoming Z brats, it makes sense. To, like, I kind of take a step back and doing the first real shuffle since, geez, like, because they didn't really do a shuffle after Overgeneration disbanded. And
1: <laughs> no, no, they shuffled away from the history of Overgeneration. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And try Vanguard, you know, I mean, Try Vanguard just existing and not even like, no one's ever referring to try Vanguard again. That is a wild thing to think about in retrospect
1: yeah i promise at some point we'll do an over generation retrospective podcast i cannot make the same promise for tribe vanguard <laughs> i would like to avoid their history as much as possible again we talked about 2017 a show that had mochizuki winning the dream gate belt and a berserk versus jimmy's no D- no dq unit disbands match and i was begrudgingly watching that show in the moment going like Ugh, this promotion i just i don't know if i can and a lot of that was because of tribe vanguard
0: yeah yeah but you know luckily we are far far away from it up uh, we will be back next week we'll be talking about the hakata geez there's just we've hit the crazy part of the month guys. Uh, like let's not mince words here yeah it's let's do get let's nuts. do an
1: on-air production meeting here real quick so All if right. i look at if i look at the schedule here we've got sunday shows in fukuoka that's mm-hmm. going to be the triangle gate tournament and then a wednesday show which is memorial gate and then that Sunday show doesn't really matter. So we're probably looking at a Thursday record for next week. Can you do that, Mike?
0: Yeah, Thursday works for me. We'll All right, we'll so talk ex- about the we'll talk about timing off air. But yeah, no yes. Thursday is open.
1: All right, so expecting new voice gate next Friday.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it'll be, geez, yeah, because we have Fukuoka, Fukuoka, Wakayama. They really, I know that they. Don't buck around our, they don't schedule around our schedules, but they really decided just jam patch it then. So yeah, looking at, just going over the rest of the month for those of the Dragon Gate Network. The Across Ruka shows, they will both be on the network. They don't have production or English commentary. It's the single cam setup. Wakiyama, there's no English commentary this year because it's in the middle of the week. Don't know if it's going to be full production or not. I remember, I seem to remember sometimes it's full, sometimes it's not. And then instead of being in the friendly confines this month, they're at the Kobe Art Center at the end of the month on the twenty seventh, and that will be a single camera show. And then, then we get into March. Case like we are, it, it it's something. If you subscribe to the Dragon Gate Network in February, as your first time thing, you're getting a whole lot of everything coming up.
1: Yes, Corgan Hall, March 3rd, Champion Gate in Osaka, March 5th, Champion Gate in Osaka, March 6th, and then a Kobe Sambo Hall show on March 19th. So that first week of March is going to be insane, and I look forward to it.
0: Yeah, yeah, and then we'll get a little bit of downtime, and we'll revisit a lot more Caness. So I think this works out well. Good production meeting, guys.
1: All right, well done, Mike.
0: Yep, so that's going to do it for us this week. Before we get out of here, uh, we talked about this on Twitter, and I'd be remiss not to bring it up here. The Dragon Gate Primer of which we put out last month. It's a living thing. we we're, we're gonna we're not treating this like reviews and articles where when we post it, it's done. It remains there. The Drinkate Primer, I think we're gonna go for monthly, I wanna say if that makes the most sense here, but we're gonna be updating that all through the year. And you can find it on the Voices of Wrestling website on there is a a, a permanent uh, sidebar note for it or we have a link to it on our Twitter account. And we have a nice address for it that was set up for it. I think it's Dragon Gate 2022 or 22. I'm forgetting this.
1: Something like that. It's on. If you go to VoicesOfWrestling.com, it has a permanent fixture on the homepage of that site for the foreseeable future. So whenever, whenever a unit shakeup happens, whenever a champion, or I'm sorry, whenever a title changes hands, whenever something that is integral to this promotion takes place, it is going to be updated on that primer. It is a living document that you can use as a reference point to get caught up, get tuned in, or share so people know what is going on in Dragon Gate.
0: All right, so it's voices of slash Dragon Gate twenty two. I had to look this up case. Okay, so it was that's okay. Me I didn't know
1: either, Mike. I was I was completely unaware. I I did not I was busy this weekend and I did not respond to those DMs, but <laughs> it's all set up now.
0: It's all set up now and we'll keep it updated. And yeah, that's gonna do it. So, you can follow us on Twitter at Open Voice Cases at underscore in your case. I'm at Fujiheya. Thanks for the, listening to Open Voice Gate. We'll be back next week talking about the first sojourn to Across Fukuoka and Memorial Gate. Take care